Herald of Steel beckons. War on the horizon. Chaos reigns supreme. But who will save us? Beckons of the Herald of Steel is a 5th edition homebrew campaign. It is a high fantasy and old school flavored campaign run by me, the young Rognard, and my friends. Let's meet those friends now. I am Anthony Santiago, and I'm playing Norhill Hammerstone, Dwarven Fighter. I'm Jared, and I'll be playing Jarzak, the Orc Warlock. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be playing Klika, the Goblin Sorcerer. I'm Veronica. I'll be playing Anton, the Human Cleric. While many prophecies are written, our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. Welcome back to the podcast. It is I, Grognard the Young, the Young Grognard, kicking it to you live with an episode of the camera. Don't mess it up. Uh, Beggars of the Herald of Steel. This is the end. Don't mess it up. The Lords and the mm-hmm. Quest. Salvation. Uh-huh. Uh, there it is. Okay. All right. I've had enough. <laughs> in the last episodes of the podcast, our party had made it deep within the halls of silver and steel. Uh, they appear to have found themselves in a dwarvish refuge, uh, some sort of a mining camp of sorts uh, that's been made out of the dwarvish halls down here. Sort of an interesting setup where all the remaining members of the clan that are apparently still alive are either not military members, people who just aren't able-bodied enough or something, but apparently all them dwarves who are capable of fighting got wiped. Uh, the one and only dwarvish member of military that you've heard of who has survived this is the, well, I guess now Lord of the Hall of Steel, uh, a Mr. Oh, shit. Did I forget his name? I didn't forget his name. And I'm not going to do this again. Hold on. No, no, no. Because we're not going to have another Anathanae or whatever her name became. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Galdor. I almost said Keldor. And I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. Galabdor. No. <laughs> And so with that, uh, Galdor had a very interesting conversation with our friend, Mr. Norhill, as he told him, basically, because the Dorgar feed us and let us live comfortably here, he's comfortable living under their rule and doing their thing. And that if Norhill wants to come in here and try to cowboy his way out, it's not going to work out very well for him. And Galdor is just going to kind of forget that he knows him at all and per- just point a finger at Mr. Norhill and, I don't know, tell him to get bent, I guess. So with that, Norhill, in the last episode of the party, had gone to the only home Norhill might be able to find down here, which is back at the old Dwarvish Brewery that his family had once called home, knocking on the front door. The door opens wide, and Norhill's father stands there before him, old, with his dangly, wrangly white beard, looking back at him with a squint for a split second, not recognizing his boy. And Norhill... Anthony, why don't you run us through the exchange of emotions as you see your father, who you had assumed you would never see ever again. So I imagine it's a very sort of stoic exchange where, you know, they just uh, stand in silence for like a good long (laughs) while before finally, you know, getting, you know, a good like, you know, forearm grip handshake in, uh, pulled into like uh, the one-arm tug, which, you know, also lasts a good while. Okay. And with that, your mother comes walking around the corner and she says, what are you doing over there? And sees you. And she has a much less stoic expression as she comes running giddy screaming over. And uh, with that call, your wife with child uh, come running over to see what the heck's going on at the doorway as well. And before you know it, there's just a big pile of decently average dwarvishly heighted beards and hair just in a big mop in the middle of the room, just kind of hug, like fuzzling all over each other as the entire dwarvish family of the Hammerstone group here are in big hugs. Lika absolutely starts getting in on the hugs. It's like she, she is, she tries her best to not get in on the first like one or two. And then like, if it keeps going, she's like, okay, I, I need to be in on this. So as it turns out, when Norhill's like frantically hugging his wife and looking for his boy, he looks over and sees Klika's hugging the five-year-old who's like at the exact same height as her. They're just hugging full on. And (laughs) 
Well, I mean, Norhill, the, the floor is yours. I, I mean, as a player, I, I think you got a lot more free reign as to how this exchange will go down. After spending what, uh, what six months away from them, I think it's been like full season and a half. No, it's actually been closer to like, yeah, no, it, yeah, okay, yeah, it's been about six to eight months since you've seen them. Yes, uh, you know, Norhill's just gonna uh, take them all in, uh, in you know, the family huddle there and say, uh, just say, thank goodness, thank goodness. I had feared the worst, I had the worst dream, Southside. And with that, I imagine your wife is probably going to pull you aside, first of all, and tell you that she obviously missed you a whole bunch and everything and assumed the worst considering and said that, you know, with everything that happened, she just sort of assumed there was no hope at all. And at this point, she just kind of pulls you in for a hug and just starts like just full on scream weeping about the fact that you'd come home. And she says that she always felt as if there was a chance that you'd come home. Since you were gone before all this took place, she just assumed that something must have happened that kind of kept you on your own and said that somebody like you that has such a knack and such a tenacity to you, nothing would keep you away from making it back home and doing the honorable thing to return to your homeland. Only wish I could have gotten back sooner. And with that, no, I tried. And with that, they kind of all look amongst one another, sort of doing the logical puzzle themselves as your father puts a meaty claw on your shoulder and he says, do you want some lobster? No, I'm just kidding. But he puts a meaty paw on your shoulder and he says, sorry, I couldn't help myself. But he puts a meaty paw on your shoulder and he turns to you and he says, if you had come back sooner, I don't think you would have made it. And he kind of looks to, you know, the ground for a hot second. And as you take in that moment of like, wait, what? He says, your brother didn't make it. He died like the rest, without any hope. That I feared after my conversation with the Prince Steel Band. Yeah, he got stepped on like big time. It was all over the newspapers. He got stepped on and then the, the giant statue slipped and fell and just squished so many more. Honestly, I think your brother may have assisted more in the kill count for the other side than, than I'd like to. No, I'm just kidding. But with the <laughs> real blood. I, I, I sincerely hope it doesn't say that on his tomb. Yeah, on his epitaph. It's just like, could have fucked up less. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Wait, you know what would be funny is if that became canon, that your brother is just like a real failure all around the place, but in like really unfortunate ways. Like, it's not really his fault so yeah, right. really holds it against him but it's like man as as galdor was escaping the battlefield he tripped your brother who also knocked him right no i'm just kidding but anyway with that the the solemn expressions there and they all just kind of silently looked you in that very stoic dwarfish way as if i don't know having lived in a militocracy their whole lives dying is kind of a fact of life and it's a matter of a lifestyle choice that your brother apparently had taken up when the duty uh had it, you know when it was necessary and so with that um the uh yeah i mean at this point the dwarves kind of take you guys all in and ask to be introduced to the three strangers standing out in the entryway no one of them is hugging their youngest child so right which is two strangers right. standing in the entryway and one very much in this family meeting <laughs> so uh, everyone this is anton of glory wake uh priest of the light and as i understand uh in line to accept their you know highest accolades and leadership when the time comes uh this is Krika. she has been named the child of destiny by uh, more than one person of great renown, and this is Jarja. <laughs> just the hardest roast of all. It's just like, oh, and then there's Jarja. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, creepy. You know, Norhill does his best, and they to, you know give everybody's names and then titles, but and then he's just like, he's Jarzak. <laughs> yeah, Jarja got knighted, or did we all get revoked? Yeah, right. You guys were all knighted, and then fucking Jarzak's just got bugs. <laughs> What's that called? He's got demons. Oh yeah, so oh, uh, you know, uh, all all three are considered you know, knights of the realm and emerald. 
And so with that, they all just kind of look to you with a look of like astonishment and strangeness as if like you were gone for a long time, but we expected mercenary work and like strange labor until you could find a way. But the, seeing you just come in here like, all right, here's my posse. We're basically demigods now. We got epic loot. What's up? Anyway, but with that, they all just kind of look at you guys and your father steps forward in a very like militocratic, like I'm head of the household kind of way. And he stands before and he gives a gentle nod of his head as he says, you're all welcome guests in my home, and I would like nothing more than to feed you, clothe you, and do anything it needs to make sure you are all comfortable while you stay here. Hi, I'm Klika. I believe I heard that already. I'm Jarzak. Klika's not used to other people introducing her. <laughs> Can you put my grandson down, please? Um, he, he's really involved in the hug right now. As he's like physically trying to escape the hug, <laughs> he's really it's a it's a it's a struggle cuddle, but he wants this. Oh no! <laughs> anyway, as Norhill's son is being assaulted by Kaliga, Nor- Anton's going through a bunch of different faces, or at least Ron. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> well, Anton's trying to like figure this out. I mean, you've got the entire evening to discuss this, as his family is more than willing to share the family brew with all of you guys and to talk things over. They prepare a hearty dish of sausages and potatoes and a few root vegetables that have been spiced up as well and glazed. And then they offer you guys either stouts or some nice amber ales. And they just say this is the stuff that they've been able to brew up in the past couple of months while they've been in here. We were expecting to walk in on a graveyard. And with that, the the father pretty much chokes on the beer he's drinking as he just like, he says, as he kind of like solemnly retracts from that point, and he says, if you go upstairs, it's a lot closer to that than you think. Oh, I've heard. Why are you, why are you still alive then? And with that, they kind of all begin to look at one another one by one, connecting dots amongst their eyes. And they say, I mean, they're not trained for fighting. Looking over at his mother and his wife and the child. And he says, and unfortunately, as he looks down his own legs and he says, I wouldn't be able to stand up for much of the fight anyway. They all knew that. And that's why I'm here amongst a lot of the other gray beards. I guess I mean, why are they keeping you alive? Aren't we're laborers. We saw the Herald of Steel using labor for the from the dead. What is it? And so with why that, are they even, why is he even bothering keeping you alive? And so with that he says, we I I'm I'm afraid I don't know what you're speaking of. And for what it's worth, as he looks over at his wife and his daughter-in-law there, he says, I kindly ask you to keep such conversations away. While we are in the waking presence of our captors, I think the moments of peace we have that are kind of normal around here, we like to keep them as such. I'll tell you whatever you need to know, but please. Is is anything being done? And so that your wife speaks up and she says, we mine every day. We dig down in the old mines that, you know, our fathers and father's fathers and all of our families used to dig in long before it was all dried up. Apparently they want something down there and their warlord is constantly down there. He's forcing us to continue to dig, but they, they let us come up and rest. They give us food. They let us live comfortably. They don't even investigate our homes. Once we're off the clock and off the shift, we're just back in our homes, living comfortably with our families. We even have theater. We have, I, the Lord of the hall of steel himself would go down there and perform monologues and performances every night all of the other warriors fell well what do people know about his involvement in the battle well he told us all and many of us were very moved by his bravery in this he was told by his father to escape and that he himself when the time was right would be accompanied by another dwarvish warrior or a whole band and we would group together and escape we would revolt and overthrow our leaders, the masters down here. And as she smiles a little bit to herself in a way that she's embarrassed by, she says, 
I think we found all the military force we ever needed. And she puts a gentle hand on yours. And yeah, you know, sort of yeah, t- takes it and holds it as he speaks and says, that sounds not at all like the story he told me nor the plan he has for the future. What do you mean? He plans to, uh, uh, first of all, uh, he ran. He took what he could from the noble households and saved himself from the battle. And he plans to allow this arrangement to continue for as long as it might. He, he even shot down my suggestion that we escape into the lands to the north or fight back against the Dorga. And so with that, they all kind of look back and forth at one another and they say, that's horrifying. Can you speak the truth, son? I wouldn't lie about that sort of thing. And with that, he gives kind of a very knowing, like, old man nod, and he starts to stroke at his beard. And he says, well, if this is the case, then perhaps it's time we take things into our own hands. Or at least he kind of shifts a little bit under his own weight, and he says, well, son, if that's what you think is best. And they all kind of look at each other again in a weird way of like all knowing something that you don't know. And then looking back at you with a look of like very like toned down and almost embarrassed glare where they say, son, I I do think it's time we acknowledge that out of all the warriors that died in the battle until another one of the Rangers comes home from, from being out abroad, I'm afraid you may be the highest ranking military official in, in the clans of Silverstein. And for that reason, um, I, you, and your mother chimes in and she says, my son is the Lord of the hall of Silverstein. And with that, your wife puts the hand back on you again and says, and we're all very proud of you. And with that, your dad says, I know it's not what you wanted, and I know it's nothing you'd ever imagined, but I'm afraid you might be the only one here who actually has a chance to fight anything or anybody. They keep us separated when we're in our break periods, and we're organized based on our homes and our family structures and our businesses. But when we go to work, it's all of us. I don't know what your plan is, but I don't think it would be right for any of us to leave if we don't all leave. We're certainly right about that. So all I can say is if your plan is to get out of here, you're going to have to deal with whoever's in charge of them. And so with that, your wife kind of chimes in and she says, I've seen much of their upper ranks as they guide us in and out of the mines. But he himself, Warlord Ekfalar, is a cruel man who treats us like cattle. Him and all the Aspies that he rules over and all of the Durgar, they keep count of us and they keep a very tight watch. And I have a feeling that if you were to eliminate that linchpin, he, the Durgar may be broken enough that we'd be able to get away with whatever plans you had. And so with that dwarf dad over here leans in on the counter again and he says, so what's your plan, son? How long do the break periods last? Well, we come home. We have about 12 hours for rest and meals. And then we go back to work. Okay. And your work leads you down into lower into the lower halls, the oldest ones. Yes. We go through a series of, of pathways. And then we get on the elevator that leads us down. And then once we're down there, we're put into the pits and we're there to mine for eight hours before we go through our series of being let out by the elevators. Okay, so Norhill is going to rack his brain to see if he can connect the route that his father just described to the no, to the forgotten Gnomish settlement and the old sewers. It's on a different side of the whole place. Oh, so it's not even a little bit connected? Well, I have an escape route, but it's nowhere near anywhere that yeah, you, uh, you, the folk are going to be allowed to walk. So I would say keep your heads down. I'll deal with it. Uh, my friends and I will deal with this 
Warlord XLR. And uh, be ready to run according to the route that I am going to describe. Spread it among the workers in the mines as much as possible. And uh, he's going to tell them about, you know, the abandoned Nomish settlement and the basically unguarded sewers that as long as you can sneak some food out for the yacht yards, you can just leave through there scot-free. I just got to send Kleeka down there to go have a conversation. Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm pretty sure we only got past them because Kleeka was there. And Kleeka's so. just, <laughs> trash mouth. You're an all-star. Go flay. Um, so with that, what we can say is over the next few days, you people can hide out here in the in the brewery and kind of like hang out and stay in here when it's quiet and like just wait and see what happens as they distribute a series of the plans using parchment from one of the other guild halls. They just recreate the map that you've drawn up and disseminate the plans amongst the other dwarves, if that's what you were saying. Yeah, basically. so it's like, hey, you know, we're going to, you know, go uh, fuck up this guy, get ready to take advantage of the opening. How far is it from the sewer entrance to it's Dustwind? Like, Dust? The sewer entrance to there, it was about two and a half, three days if you guys were hauling ass on horsies. So how far would it be for like people to travel? Or no, no. Traveling the- in the caravan? Like all the people that you got? Yeah. yeah. Probably five to six days, seven days, depending. Because I think Kliga's going to, at one point, speak up and say, um, I don't know where we plan to head after, but I know that if we use my name, we can secure at least a place temporarily in Dustwind for your people. I know the ruler there will take kindly to them if they um, say that they're here because of me or Thank on my name. The offer, Klika. Uh And Norha will you know, have them add that to the plans. Fair enough. So that if anybody says just to get out without the rest of the group. Yeah, uh, so it's like, okay, so yeah, you know, the, basically a two-factor rendezvous point. Uh, like, you know, uh, you know uh, go here, wait a little while before proceeding to Dustwind. Okay, and not to interrupt you, Jarzak, just because I want to sneak in a little comment here. So so what you're telling me is that each one of these maps also comes with a complimentary, hi, I'm Klika, use my promo code to get in. Like, we're, we're getting a hi, I'm Klika <laughs> to an entire settlement of people. Yeah, use the uh, promo code. Uh, I am. I am. Or, or, or even just uh, use the promo, promo code MENDING or I HATE DUST. <laughs> to get a sweet, sweet spot in Dustwind. And what were you saying, Jose? I was going to say on the first night, I'd like to tar- talk to uh, Norhill that we spend there. Okay. And just uh, so when we're preferably like alone, about to hit the hay or whatever, just uh, Norhill. Um, so those are your folks down there, huh? And you you care about them? Of course. Okay. Just, you kind of had the same look on your face like it was something important when you dropped to your knees seeing those items on the stage. Are those important to you? Those are among the greatest treasures of our people. Uh, the, The namesakes of our clans, our the, the badges of office, just as a king in another land may have a crown, we have the horn and the stein. From what your folks said, doesn't that mean those are yours? I'll not take up the stein unless I simply must. It... And, uh, much has been said of the fact that I am the highest uh, mil- uh, ranking military in the halls, but I'm just a sergeant. I would have made captain at the highest in you know, a time of peace, and I can only assume that my captain is still alive somewhere. Did you want to suggest that the party sneaks off to the atrium of the flame at one point during one of these days off? Oh, uh, yeah. No, and no, Oriel definitely wants to you know, okay. press after pay respects. Okay. 
Um, yeah, but even if others are alive, the, the people need someone to follow. And they're not here right now. And with the symbols, wouldn't that make it easier for them to see who to follow? I hope that they will simply do what is right. I will do what I must, and only when I must. That's a, it's a heavy mantle to lift. I'm not sure that I'm ready. So if I'm getting this straight, is Norhill going to forego these treasures? Or is he actually just doesn't feel like it's like, is he feeling like some weird level of like survivor guilt or like in person? Uh, oh, oh, hardcore. Yeah. Okay. Just double checking that you're not just like, yeah, no, eh. no, yeah, no, definitely as a player, that's very cool, but <laughs> how big got a role play properly. Okay. Uh, how big were these items when I saw them? Um, the helmet itself is just like a big old helmet with like the kind of like the beer cooler thingies on the side, little holders there. Yeah. Okay. So just the helmet with the, the split in the front that runs down to the sides. And then the Stein is just a full, like big old flagenstein, like about yay tall. You know what okay, I mean? Okay. So stuff that could fit in a bag. Yeah. And then there's all the gemstones. There's a full-sized kite shield and an entire set of dwarvish plate. Now, does it? Yeah, okay. Uh, and th it was only the Helm and Stein that are the relics, right? Or the shield too? Well, I will say that the, the armor and the shield belong to a lord, and they are both of very, very important quality, and both very much so probably. Symbolic? Yeah. The armor itself, I mean, plate mail sized for a dwarf is going to fetch you like 20,000 gold pieces. Okay, I'm not so much worried about the price for selling. No, no, no. I'm just saying that, like, okay. in perspective, this isn't just like it's plate mail. Like, this is like specially fitted lordship plate mail made of like adamantine. Like, a dwarf does not suffer critical hits in such armor. It I mean, got that special metal beard plating, you know? Goddamn. And that and the shield wouldn't be able to fit in a bag right i assume well actually plate mail is funny like that this is I, not to go on a nard bite tangent here but plate mail is one of those weird things that people don't talk enough about in like dnd but plate mail is so well fitted and collapsible that it fits it like like you know how like football gear when you have like the chest plate and how it like it yeah. all, it's like that and when oh. properly fitted plate mail you're actually dexter you can do cartwheels in plate mail contrary to popular belief it's built so well to fit your form that you're actually more flexible in it than you are in chainmail. So it goes for a very hefty price if it fits. And Norhill being as average dwarfly as he is, it likely will fit him like a glove. Sorry, Jarzak, I didn't mean to sound insensitive about your glove. My hand's too big. It doesn't fit. As you pull it up, <laughs> <laughs> like, it got like, why does your friend have bones in his hand? Why would he not have bones in his hand? <laughs> oh, wait, yeah, it fits on that hand. Oh, no, so uh, Norhill, why are there so many more centipedes here today than there were yesterday? Like, there's a, like a noticeable increase, <laughs> they they must be coming in from uh, outside. So you said we were there going to be there for like three nights, right? I was going to say, in order to disseminate that much information, and do you want, Anthony, are, are you going to try to have them do it like quickly disperse? Do you want them to do it very slowly and very cautiously? Or did you want it somewhere in between? Somewhere in between. So what I'm imagining is they're spreading it while they're working. Yeah. So they're, you know, they'll right. be going by you know, carrying a bucket of rocks or whatever. And they'll tell the person next to them, and you know they'll you know go down the chain. Right. They have it on the bottom of one of the mine carts, and as you like slide the rocks over, it's printed on the bottom, and they're all memorizing it to the best of their ability. I thought it was just going to be the phone game. <laughs> oh no! So when you show up in Dustwind, you say, "Buy thy weaker," <laughs> and they'll let you in. Yeah, that right, exactly. Perfect. Okay. So in that case, if you're gonna so are you trying to do it which of the speeds? Fast and efficient 
slow and cautious or moderate? Moderate. Okay. Well, I'll say then immediately after talking to Norhill, uh, that night, Jarzak's going to wait for everyone else to go to bed. Okay. And uh, try to wake up Klika without waking anyone else up. Okay. Uh, and from Klika sleeping in the past, Jarzak's just going to scoop Klika up and take her outside to wake her up first, just in case she's startled. Okay. Hey, Klika. Klika, wake up. You accidentally grabbed the <gasps> five-year-old child. <laughs> oh, no, I, I don't know this one. Not again. Klika, <laughs> you look different. Um, uh, okay, is, is Anton getting eaten again? I'm ready. No, 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 okay, no, no. I'm good. I'm good. Stop. Quiet, quiet, quiet. Hey, Klika. You... Yeah, what's up? And, and make sure no one else is around. Look at the streets. Uh, I think that stuff by the theater might be useful and important to Norhill, and he might want it even though he doesn't know it yet. Yeah, I'm very uh, this you want to play a game and go get it? Um, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you. I'll, I'll have clean clothes for a whole day. Do I get to pick the day? Oh. I, um, yes. And and you have to take watch before me. Going forward, just just once. No, nope. no, nope. forever. That's it. That's my deal. Like we're literally helping our friend. Why am I paying you? Fine. <laughs> okay. Oh, also, Klika. You know yeah. the best part is, is that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. There's gonna be. A big, big task for you to do. You need to leave this shield behind. And Charzak hands the curse shield over. And naturally, the thing's tongue waggles from the left to the right in the eye. Uh, I put it. I put it back in the bag. <laughs> I will g- give it to you when we're close. Close. Well, Klika was really worried that Jarzak had found a new goblin friend who was going to be more fun than Klika. So Klika will definitely get rid of the new goblin friend and maybe spit on it a little bit. Yeah, I'm getting weird like memories of Cooperford and hanging out with weird blonde ladies at the pub. Like, <laughs> the, the location, but no matter what, There'll always be another goblin taking Jarzak's affection from Klika. And, you know, Klika's going to kill it. So we <laughs> and only Jarzak need... will chop its head off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we only need four items. The shield, the plate mail, the helmet, and the stein. And you could leave the shield behind. Um. Yeah, Klika can do that. If, if you think it'll help Norhill, I'm 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 happy to do that. Norhill hasn't seemed as happy as he should with his family. He seems like I mean, when he first whatever, saw him, he seemed real happy. I yeah, whatever smile. Whatever. Yeah, it was funny. Just roasting Norhill. But whatever him and um that other dwarf that he talked to for a while while we were eating all those pretzels, he didn't seem, he didn't like it. So if this will help Norhill, then yeah, Klika will help. Okay. Uh, So yeah, we're going to head to the amphitheater and make sure no one is really around. Okay. And I'm going to need an investigate check from you too. Oh, fuck. I'm sure you're fine. Investigate? Yeah, to keep an ear and an eye open, kind of check the surroundings. Woo! 18. Oh, you also have a minus one, huh? Uh, (laughs) Sure do. 12. You couldn't be the ones freaking doing this, huh? Uh, If it was perception, that's different. (laughs) Yeah, if it was perception and stealth, we'd be fine. (laughs) 
you guys stand here in the uh, by the brewery and kind of listening in to make sure nothing's coming. And almost answering you guys as you stand here, you guys can hear the sound of dozens of chitinous little toes and tappings on the ground. And you can hear low rumbling murmurs from more of that strange undercommon dwarfish sounding talk as if a group of Duergar might be coming from the same way that the big giant herd of people were coming from before. But the chitinous clicking noise makes it sound kind of bug-like and Jarzak gets a strange itchy feeling in the back of his head. Oh, that's sounds um, like something not great. Yeah, let's let's oh, just you, sort of hop wanna, off. I mean, we could go while they're at work tomorrow, right? Um, I mean, if you stand here and just listen in, your hiding spot is well enough that they wouldn't see you or anything like that. Okay. And as you're uh, standing here uh, and kind of listening in, you guys can see that the Duergar are coming in a drove of like three Duergar and they're riding on big gigantic spiders and like wearing like little saddles on their uh, thorax. Yeah. Thorax. Yeah. And they're just kind of like sitting little saddled on there and just go like moseying down the way. And as one of them goes to do kind of a loop by the apartments, it just strides right up onto one of the buildings going up vertically and climbing up over to the top of it and just climbing right back down the other way. And they just kind of keep, murmuring back and forth to one another on their rounds before passing by where you guys are and continuing past back the way that you guys came initially uh, past that other housing district. So rendering what appears to be a, a clear coast. Oh, shit. <laughs> okay. What's the matter? You're a little scared. Cleco wants a giant spider, buddy. <laughs> and she starts mindlessly following, like, hey. <laughs> Hold on, I think I might have I think I might have one of those on me. <laughs> there you go, pal. Bites her face swells up. Those big yeah, bugs extreme, away from me. Extremely poisonous tiny spider. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get going. Okay. And so, can I get a stealth check from you guys? As I imagine, stealth was what you guys were talking about earlier. Yeah. Uh, 14? Six? Which I rolled on a nat one. Oh, good. So, that, that's an instant failure. So, as you're walking down this way and heading to the amphitheater, and you guys go to start hurrying down the stairwell stairs, Klika... Uh, as you're walking down this way, you step on somebody who appears to have like hunkered down in the corner behind one of the seats here on the corner and stumbling down these steps quickly beside Jarzak. You step on somebody's foot and you hear, and it kind of echoes down the amphitheater way. Is Jarzak ahead of me? Uh, I'd imagine so. Can I cast Blink on myself and hopefully disappear out of existence before this person <laughs> sees me? What's the casting time on it? Uh, one action. Yeah, no, you wouldn't be able to do it before they see you. But as you stepped on them and kind of like stumble a couple quick steps, you look back and it appears to be Galdor, that dwarvish lord that you had spoken with before, or at least were yelled at from before. And he looks to you guys over here in the dark and he says, what are you doing in here? And he says, oh, I should have known. You are thieves. What are you doing in here? Oh, um. Don't you have we... a home with a bed? <laughs> says, I... Clica heard that you put on monologues. And We're getting the best show. It's seats in the house for the show. Clica yeah. really, really wanted to see you. When Jarzak continues, like, we wanted to watch the show, that is the most intimidating thing I have ever heard in my entire life. And I'm picturing some weird Shirley Temple, like, forest with a crossbow and Adam thing going on down there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, animal crackers. <laughs> So, are you the one putting on the show? Part. What? So, you're the one putting on the show. Let's go. And he says, I'm here uh, making sure that none of you people come to steal what you saw in there. I should have known you'd be back for the loot. What do you mean, what we saw? Don't play dumb with me. I know you're half- It's just a bunch of- than that. Stage trinkets. And with that- Little, his little props- Big furry caterpillar brow lowers and furrows arrogantly over his nose. And he says, as if your people have anything to show for all they've done. 
trinkets and stage props my butt. At least we still own our own land. Oh, um, yeah, we heard from um, Norhill's family that you put on really good monologues and we were hoping to catch a show, but it looks like you're really tired right now and Kleeka's too close to you. So Kleeka's going to step back and... Was this a deception check to be to try to turn this all down? Because why would you expect that he'd be doing a show at this hour? Is, is this... Yes. Yes, it sure <laughs> yeah. is. Well, do it at, at disadvantage because your friend Jarzak just consulted the guy's freaking home. And it's also, I don't know, like three in the morning. And it's, I don't know, not when anybody's awake. If I could give disadvantage twice, I would. Who's making the deception check? You. Fuck. At disadvantage. I got this, guys. You sound like you do. Oh, 13. That's pretty good for Kleeka at disadvantage. Oh, yikes. And he said, oh, a performance? Perhaps I'll perform a monologue to some of the Duergar guards in the morning when they come to ravel us all up and bring us to the mines. Perhaps I'll tell them that a certain brewer has a few people hanging out that shouldn't be here. What's that I see? A weapon? Perhaps you're armed? My, my, they wouldn't like that now, would they? Now, is he lying about the weapon? Because both Kleeka and Jarzak are specifically summoned weapon people. So... (laughs) But the dagger! I guess, but like, Kleeka keeps Flicker pretty well hidden on herself. Fine! People who aren't supposed to be here. I bet the Duergar wouldn't like that very much. He says, and I'm starting to get a certain air here that perhaps I should talk to them a little sooner than that. In fact, I think I will right now. And so uh, he can I... uh, he's not wearing any armor or anything, right? No, armor's prohibited. Uh, oh, fuck. And this just looks like a normal. It is dwarf. a theater, yeah, and he's, I mean, he looks not unlike the, the previous lord, so. Kalika's going to play. going to try to knock him out. Oh, boy. I mean, Kalika's going to put her hand on his shoulder and say, um, Norhill said you weren't exactly great. And then, at, like, Pulling her hand off his shoulder, the shadow blade is just gonna sort of appear in her hand. So now she's armed. Uh, yeah, and at the same time, Jarzak's weapon just uh, like forms from, I guess, the shadows too. Don't so, really, you got some hitmen. Yeah, right. I was gonna say, right. he's got a couple of dirty, dark henchmen that show right. up. And then uh, Jarzak's gonna say, Are you sure you wanna do that now? And he says, are you threatening the lord of the yes, two halls? I am. And he says, you're not my lord. He says, well, I hope you can run faster than the steeds, and I hope you can run faster than them. He, I'm going to swing. Looks like he's turning around to go yell. So is also just going to stab in. Let's roll for initiative. Okay. Hadn't been so showy about it, I would have let a surprise attack. But you're both like, "Uh oh, look what's up!" Pulling out your shadow blades and your summoned weapons named Charlotte, whatever. All right, I got an eleven. Woo, twelve. Ten. <laughs> well, good luck, Not you, Klika. All right, you can prevent them from making a bunch of noise. Shadow blades out, right? Yeah. Oh, you're well prepared for that. Okay. Uh, now we're going to use all of my sorcery points to do <laughs> real jank shit. Okay, so I am going dynamite to... dynamite spell up his butt. <laughs> he's like, turns like he's going to yell for mom, and he's like, <gasps> and then just click it, just... <clears throat> All right, so um, <laughs> why is the amphitheater covered in beef stroganoff? <laughs> I'm gonna. That looks like I've had a beef stroganoff exploded. Yeah, ironically, Norhill slips on it and dies. Quicken spell to attack with shadow blade with booming blade. 
so let me make that attack roll. Does a 26 hit? I sure hope it does. Oh my god. Alright, so that's 25 damage. Okay. And then I am going to um, attack again with Booming Blade and Shadow Blade. Okay. And does a 25 hit, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> this man's down in his bathrobe, just like... And, and that's 24 damage. All right. So 40, 49 damage total from okay. Klinko. Yeah, he is very heartily wounded here. And you hit him with the booming blade? Yes. So as you stab him twice in the back and he gets wreathed in the booming energy, he takes a quick step forward on his turn. I imagine you're done with your turn. Let me make sure I did that right. Yes, yeah. Can't you do your extra damage from the goblin trait? Oh, yeah, I can use Fury of the Small. Well, is he a size larger than me as a dwarf? Yeah. Yeah, because you're a small. Yeah, <laughs> so I do five extra damage. So what are we at, 44? I mean, 54? 54, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, so he is very much close on teetering on the, on the brink of death. So he goes to take a step forward, and he yells for help, and he gets to about the, and then what does the booming blade damage look like? Hmm. Ooh, that's another 10 damage. Okay, so he gets to about and it echoes throughout the amphitheater as a quick as he implodes with a bone-crunching noise and he falls limp to the ground with a death rattle and he lays on the ground. Uh, Jarzak, you're good as he looks like he's teetering on the brink of death. Uh, did, did we just knock him out or... <laughs> no, he, he's on the verge of death. I didn't know if you had anything you wanted to do before the ending here. Uh, no, I just want to knock him out because I, I don't want to kill him. Oh, okay. Well, it looks like Klika might have broke his bones a bit too, but you that's know. fine. Uh, uh, all of the bones in no, his I... legs and arms are shattered to splinters. Nothing in you know, rest can't fix. Yeah. yeah. A little fifth edition long rest. Yeah, Jarzak's just going to pick him up and drag him over to the. Uh... The little elevator in the center of the stage, and okay. walk over with Cleek and start lowering it down. Okay, are you taking all the stuff off of it? Uh, I'm gonna put him down there. So, oh okay. my god, you're just gonna let him sit there and die. <laughs> <laughs> well, he wanted the comfort of the dwarvish halls, and now he doesn't have to be disturbed at all. Yeah, hell, now he doesn't even have to go to work. Yeah, consider this a paid vacation. <laughs> when do we become the killers of like high uh, and people? <laughs> oh fuck! I do want to tie him to a chair or something. Are we doing well. a stuck in the middle with you montage? You know, from like Reservoir Dogs, the stuck in the middle with you. As you use your axe and cut his ear off or something. <laughs> uh, no, no. Well, all right, so you tie him to a chair unconsciously and you go back onto the elevator covered in all the dwarvish stuffs. Uh, did you want to just throw it all in the tarp and just kind of Santa Claus sack it over your back? So what is the tarp? Is it just a regular tarp? It's like a very fine cloth. Like it looks to be like a very fine silken sheet of sorts. Oh. oh. I'd like to put most of the stuff in bags that we can. Okay. Okay, and then, I mean, the plate mail is probably going to be the one thing that's going to be too big to fit in a backpack or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, I think Kliga will load up on the gemstones and then grab the stein and maybe the shield and leave the helm and the plate mail for Jarzak. Okay. Because Kliga has a lot of pockets, so she can fit a lot of fist-sized gemstones on her. Okay. Oh, yeah, I was going to leave that stuff, but yeah, you're right. They, he doesn't really need it. Yeah, Clico thinks maybe giving it to the escapees will help, help them. them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Don't tell anyone that Coleco really, really did it to that dude. <laughs> oh, I have a good idea. I don't should, like... I, should I give him a skeleton hand? Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, hold on. How are you going to do that? What, are you going to take your glove off and put it on? <laughs> then the glove will belong to him and your arm will just fall to people. No, no, I'll put it back on me after. I don't think you know how this works. I don't. You know, Valakev is like, ha, 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 hello, Jar- wait, you're not Jarzak. <laughs> Jarzak's just riding an elevator, just... <laughs> uh, I guess oh, I'll go, go. leave him a dagger and a ration so he can kind of get out. And this shield <laughs> to keep him company. Uh, hold on, and Klika grabs the shield and just says... Hi, I'm Klika. Straight at it. All of a sudden, the eyeballs move back and forth like one of those cat clocks, and it's just like, hi, I'm Klika. Hi, I'm Klika. You should put it on him so he drools, too. Yep. And I think they're sitting there hanging from the uh, frost giant dummy in front of him, perfectly at height to look back at his face. (laughs) Hi, I'm Klika. Hi, I'm Klika. Is that that torture? I don't know what the fuck is. (laughs) I don't know. We've been dealing with it for months now. I mean, I guess we're all tortured in our own right from the Hyam Klika monster. <laughs> and so with that, the uh, the duo sneak skulking back in the uh, slumbering town here and get back to the brewery. Yeah, and I'd like to hide the stuff in the brewery, like under a mattress or something. Sure. Under somewhere. And just, just as a note, of the uh, overall value of stuff down here. That pile of gemstones that you got that were also amongst all that, uh, there was about 3,000 golds worth of gemstones down there. I mean, that's fine. I'm going to set that aside to give to the dwarves when they're making their escape either way. So, But, okay. And uh, I guess we awaken in the morning to a lot of people being kind of confused and wondering where the dwarf lord uh, Galdor had gone to, and even word gets back to the brewery in the early morning as they think he's gone missing. Oh, sure. I can have a word with him. Maybe he can be convinced now that we have a plan of action. Maybe he ran away early. Well, if he tried to run away, then I doubt that the driver let him live. I doubt if he ran away, he wouldn't tell the dwarger. If that's the case, how much time do we have for our plan, or how the dwarger possibly know? If he's done something, then we're going to need to move up our timetable. Wasn't he kind of against this anyway? <laughs> so he could have just went right to them. It turns out it's like no, he was he was wholeheartedly behind this. He he was so willing to work with us at this point. Jarzak's like, oh no! In fact, he was the linchpin of the whole plan. He knew everything to do. You're like, oh no! <laughs> I'll go see. I'll go see if I can rouse him. And uh, well, once everybody is you know off to work and it's safe to leave the brewery, um, th- did he say that he also worked down in the mines? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think before Norhill leaves. Cleek is gonna like grab his arm. Um, would you like to come along? I, it... I need to hurry if I'm going to see him before the workshop begins. And I'll grab his shoulder. <laughs> or he'll, uh, there's, there's not much point to go to his house. <laughs> Norhill, we um, we wanted to get you some of. The artifacts that, well, you told us about how your meeting went with the prince slash lord, and it didn't really seem like he was ever going to rally his people. So me and Jarzak, we went and got some of the artifacts from the stage, but um, Klika wasn't paying attention and sort of stepped on the Lord Prince and 
then it, he it said him out. he he said he was gonna tell the dwarger, and then Klika, yeah, like Jarzak said, knocked him out, and now he's like he's under the stage, and he's he's probably okay, but um, you're. You probably don't need to talk to him. Where are the artifacts? Um, and then <laughs> Klinka, just point back to the tavern. <laughs> Klinka, at, who has been spending the past three days very meticulously helping cleaning around the tavern and all that stuff, just sort of like steps on a loose floorboard and it pops up and there's... You know, the helm and the stein and the shield, it's armor. He's like, um, well, it, it didn't seem like maybe you wanted them, but also, we, me and Jarzak, think you were the best fit. So we grabbed them. Your, your family called you the Lord. And this stuff belongs to you, that means. And it will help rally the people. Do the two of you have any idea how this looks? If this was going to be done and needed to be done right, now we just look like thieves. Well, I mean, for what it's worth, too, people will recognize you as long as you use the like the speech of, of the, the, the military and being the first actual military member out here. You're well known enough in a tight-knit dwarvish community. You wearing this stuff would make sense in a weird way. Like, they'd all be like, what the hell? Oh, you know what I mean? Like it would click. It would dawn on people. It's not like they'd be like, "Hey, wait a minute." You know what I mean? Um, yeah, it didn't seem like the Lord Prince told too many people about your conversation. So maybe you can sort of just say that it went different than what actually happened. As, and then as far as like the word that's been kind of spinning around town too, he spun your interaction as being a very amicable one where you're working underneath him and being like his second in command. So it's it's well known that you're like here and with all your notes being circulated around, it's very well known that you're like in on some stuff. You know what I'm saying? So you wearing this would be like an oh shit moment. You know what I mean? Like, oh snap. Oh, man, so now it might look even more like a coup if we're not careful. <laughs> uh, maybe it'll just seem like we can say he went off on a dangerous mission and left you in charge. And that way he looks like a hero and you look like a hero. Turns out that goblin shield, when you pull it out, it's just going to be like, and when I get out of here, I'll kill all of them, especially that too. <laughs> and it's like... <clears throat> no, this can still be salvaged if we hurry and we do this right. Help me carry these things. We'll go into the amphitheater. Is Anton uh, here for any of this? Just curious. I would assume so. Yeah, if we're we're all... going to go wake up Anton no matter what. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. like, I, I assume, all, like, uh, we're all just kind of like, hanging out, waiting for the patrols and everyone to pass, and then like, Norhill heads yeah, so, out. So, is it like sick on a school day? You guys are in like that weird like daytime television mode right now where it's like 11 o'clock and you're like, I'd be eating lunch at school right now, but I'm going to eat lunch when I want to. And it's going to be a lunchable. You know what I mean? So you're all awake and just hanging out in your pajamas. No, hold on. It's going to be Celeste pizza. I miss Celeste pizza. Yeah. Cooked need- on the box. <laughs> Norhill, what do you plan to do with these? Because even if you don't use them yourself, I'd say they're probably in a lot safer hands in the hands of your family than the Lord who wished to live as a slave. I'm going to make a public announcement. It seems that you two have already made my choice for me. Word word will get around that these things were taken from their hiding place if we're not careful. So I'm going to get ahead of it. With that Uh, front door opens and closes with like a little bit of a slam and standing in the entryway of the building here, kind of approaching the stairs where you guys are upstairs, checking the creaky floorboard there, your father walks upstairs and he says, Norhill, as your father, I'm afraid I can't let you do this. You need to press onward. Listen, your friends are very loud. 
and they wake up in the dead of night. You know how hard it is for me to sleep at night. But you can't. Klika has a very sensitive bladder, but she also gets dry mouth. And, so and loneliness, so I have to help. She has to go to the bathroom a lot, and yeah, it's scary going to the bathroom alone, so she takes Jarzak. He never breaks eye contact with Norhill. <laughs> he just, like, moves his hands from one of them to the other, and he's like, right? Yes, father, I know. I'm, I'm attempting to remedy the situation. And he says, I don't think you're going about this the right way. Stop thinking about this like a soldier, and start thinking about this like you're the one to save us. You are the salvation. Start acting like it. You must seize this opportunity. He says, listen, as your father, it is a very, very strange situation that I will call you Lord. But if I need to call you Lord of the Hall of Silver, I will. But you must be the leader we need, damn it. Okay. Um, uh, Norhill is going to go wake up his wife, Helia, and ask her to help him don the armor. Okay, I'll say this much. She comes through the front door as well. They all skipped school today too. And they're just like, <laughs> yeah, they're very loud out there. We heard that they beat the shit out of that other guy. But anyway, but she comes through the front door as well. And she's like, yeah, none of us are going down there right now. If they notice that the, you know, if they notice that uh, Galdor is not there, it's going to be very strange. We don't have time to be like strategic about this. Everybody knows the plans. And she says, if I need to help you don the armor of the Lord, she says, so be it. But armor or not, helm or not, Stein or not, you are the Lord. And you can do this. Okay. What's uh, Norhill's child's name? Zoltan. Uh, Klika is going to hand the bag of gemstones to Zoltan. And just like Maggie in that fucking arcade Simpsons game, she's just with the yeah. gemstone. Yeah, and Norhill's just pick up the bag of gemstones, just look in, yeah, shake his head, it's, of course. And hand the gemstones to his father. Make sure that these are evenly distributed among the families when you get the chance. And he says, uh, "That's what Klico wanted." Yeah. He says, "We've got a lot of things we have to do. We're going to be gathering supplies. It's going to be a long march back, but you need to go down there and you need to get all the dwarves up through the elevators, through disarray. You'll be able to do it, son. But okay. please, hurry." Uh, yeah. So he's you know going to you know dress you know in the uh, full armor of uh, the lords carry the stein and he's going to take the helm and going to stick it in the bag he still wants to go down to the amphitheater first though and see um uh galdor you're not going to wear the helmet no because yeah he's still going to make a public pronouncement did we see the battlefield by the way we not yet No, you're just going in a one-way mine shaft and hoping you can get out. Yep. Like, oh my god. The Q-tip. You guys are the Q-tip. You're just looking to scoop all that gold. Anton's like freaking the fuck out. He knows this guy <laughs> could like raise the dead. He's like, yeah, all right, you're, you're, we're you're, right you're by right. a you're, you're graveyard. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, maybe, that could be filled with undead. Maybe Klika shouldn't <laughs> have stepped on Galdor's leg <laughs> last night. fell apart. I was like, in the fucking dark, which is just the funniest part of all this. <laughs> it's like, hey, another big problem here. I can't fucking see down there. I think Jarzak's the only one not freaking out. Yeah, I drive in the chaos. <laughs> yeah, uh, so yeah, Norville's going to you know rush down to the amphitheater. I will say this much though: all the other doors have already gone off to work. Okay, they are all well on their way to the mines, and the only dwarves left behind are you guys and your family members who stayed behind, knowing what was going to happen today. Okay, so and uh, never mind the speech that I'm going to make, but uh, he's going to, of course, go down to Galdor anyway. Yeah, yeah, go down to Galdor anyway. Okay, and so with that, you go down to the door. Do you want to go through the locked door, or do you want to go through the top thing, the elevator? Kick that locked door down. Yeah, Norhill's going to kick in the door. Okay, yeah. so Norhill uh, kicks in the door. Uh, and the door falls to the ground with a huge swack noise as it echoes in here. And you hear a voice from the other side of the room echoes out and he says, you bastard, you'll all pay for this. And also, I'll play that. For what it's worth, Galdor, this isn't the way I wanted it to happen. And he says, how quaint. Free me from these shackles. 
Um, Clico yeah. thinks you're pretty good at playing dead, so she'll do it. And Clico will go and release him. What was Norhill going to say? Uh, I was I was going to say I might release you, but Clico does it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> You've got another chance to do the right thing. And uh, so he's been carrying around uh, the helm, uh, you know, wrapped up in you know, the fancy sheet. And you know, he's going to you know, uh, unwrap it so you know, that it sits down in his hand and he can get a good look at it. We could rule together, just like before, just like always. If you'd like. It's your birthright after all. And he looks towards you and he looks up at you in a way of like almost like a second thought here. And you see his one grisly caterpillar eyebrow furrow down hard and he says, I may be tied up, but I've got more than birthright that says that I have a ability to rule over both halls. You are some kind of piece of work to think that you've got the ability to talk to me like that. Untie me at once. Both of those belong to me. The stein, the helm, the armor, the halls, it's all mine. And to think you'd use this as a bargaining chip, to, to think that I would join you on this, I survived. I made it out alive. It is my birthright and I earned it. You came crawling in through the toilet and you think you have any right here? It could have been any other dwarf in your affiliated rank and it would have been just as valid. But I'm son. I am heir. You are nothing. Kalika's gonna cut him free and just sort of like push him forward and then just sort of give like one of those It's up to you, Norhill. Yes, you're right. It could have been any dwarf. And it would have been just the same. And yet, I don't think I see a worthy man. You're free to go wherever you will, but I think I'll hold on to this until I find somebody who is worthy. And so you put the horned helmet on your head and it links into the back of the plated armor on your back and it locks in perfectly, giving full mantled vision and the ability to turn neck and head and everything. And as you put it on, you hear a strange chiming in the metal, and you feel a strange kinship with the armor as if it hums together in one unified form. And you, for some reason, feel that sense in that dream where you're handed the, uh, the silver stein itself, and at your hip, you feel the sign begin to kind of vibrate a little bit. And you hear some weird dwarvish speech come to you as if praying for a blessing of some kind. And as you instinctively hold the stein up, you are now able to utter a single dwarfish prayer for half proficiency for anybody who drinks from this mug and any skill or any uh, ability uh, save that you'd like to for the day. Ooh, nice. <laughs> so what nope. would you like to do? Uh, so, hmm. Norhill is going to uh, you know, utter the prayer and drink from the stein to give the party proficiency in constitution saving throws. Swag. Okay. And so praying for the strength of stomach and will of the dwarvish people, the stein glows for a, sw- for a single moment and the most pure um, ale is brewed directly within the mug and you can pass it around the group for a quick drink. And everybody who drinks it feels hardened of stomach and feel blessed by dwarvish ale. Now everybody has half their proficiency bonus on constitution saving throws for the next 24 hours. And that is where we're going to end it. Hey everyone, I want to thank you all for listening to another episode of the podcast. It really means a lot to me to have everybody listening in. And if you have anything you'd like to say, any comments or anything like that, shoot me a tweet over at YGrognard on Twitter. Or you can even send me an email at YoungGrognard at gmail.com. I look forward to everything you guys have to say, and it's always a pleasure to engage with anybody listening to the show. And as always, be sure to keep things... Dungeons. Dungeons.